Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. At the very same time Melbournians celebrated the end of lockdown, a group of their fellow Victorians had their hearts broken. Protesters and police have clashed at a roadwork site in Victoria's west where a sacred Indigenous tree was cut down. As the chainsaw ripped through the sacred directions tree, the Jabrung people, who are so closely connected to the site, say they felt the chains rip through their very souls, knowing a piece of their culture is now gone. Hundreds of years of ties to their ancestors vanished. Today, we look at Australia's relationship with Aboriginal sacred sites and why we continue to destroy them. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. It's almost indescribable and then like you get there and you can smell the smoke from the fire there that we've had burning for over 800 days and then there's this overwhelming presence of country, of the trees that have caught everyone's attention but all elements of country make country for us and so there's black cockatoos flying around, there's eagles circling everywhere this particular area has this whole other feeling for us as Japarang women with two birthing trees. And when I think of that, I think of thousands of generations of women that have birthed in and around those trees and the generations of Japarang babies that have come from that country. And we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for our ancestors and for those that came before us. So the trees. Their presence is just overwhelming. That's Sissy Austin, a Jabrung woman and member of the First People's Assembly of Victoria, describing the sacred trees of her ancestors. Those trees sit on the land between Bwangor and Ararat in Victoria. They've sat there for hundreds of years and have seen generation after generation of Jabrung children arrive into the world. Unfortunately for Sissy's people, it's also the site of a major highway upgrade. The stretch of road that connects Melbourne and Adelaide has been where many drivers have lost their lives, so the Victorian government decided to widen the 12-kilometre section of road to try and halt the fatalities. Since that decision in 2018, the Jabrung Heritage Protection Embassy has moved in to try and peacefully protect the trees, climbing the branches and settling in to halt crews of road workers from chopping them down, saying that if the full upgrade were to go ahead, 3,000 trees will be lost, including those sacred sites. 
But then, on the same day that Melbourne lockdown ended, one of those trees was cut down, a 350-year-old directions tree. It's so hard right now because a lot of us in Victoria, we're in lockdown and restrictions have eased a little bit at the moment. But at the time, most of us were all at home and not on country and restricted by where we can go. When I did find out, I literally just dropped to the floor and cried and I I just needed everyone to leave me alone. We've been protecting this part of country for over two years now and we have continued fighting. Like It's been so long and it's been so draining, but we've never felt a loss yet, like a major loss within the fight. And we're feeling it now and we're grieving it now and then we can't escape it. One particular image of that tree in, in the truck, it's just so heartbreaking. And there's a lot of anxiety of when we can return, when restrictions are eased. There's lots of mourning and healing that needs to be done. I just can't imagine how I'm going to feel when I first return. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews says they've worked with Indigenous groups on the project and have come to an agreement to remove some of the trees. And if they were to wait for consensus amongst the groups, they would never get the upgrade done and more lives would be lost. Sissy says the way the government has handled this issue is to divide her people and turn them against each other. There's so much going on at the moment with who gave permission and how was consent given and there's the registered Aboriginal party that gave consent back in 2013 and now the Aboriginal party no longer exists for multiple reasons. So then another corporation now covers that area and that's the corporation that has been named in the media and these government processes are set up in a way where they can choose where they get their consent from and unfortunately that works against us as a people and it has resulted in division amongst family groups. I think the Victorian government would enjoy to see that we're taking this pain out on each other saying like who gave consent like who did this who did that and I'm just trying to focus on the structures that were set up and they were set up by the Victorian government these consent gaining structures so my anger and my sadness and my disappointment will remain within the government I won't allow for white structures to let division linger within us as a people In the battle between roadworks and the protection of this sacred site, it was claimed that the tree in question wasn't 350 years old, but only 100. So does that mean that any natural element that doesn't predate European settlement doesn't qualify as culturally significant? Professor Jacqueline Troy is a Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Research at the University of Sydney. Jacqueline, is there this belief that Aboriginal culture somehow stopped when Europeans arrived? Yes, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. The tree is still an old tree, old enough for a whole lot of cultural practice and knowledge to build up around it. I mean, we're not talking about a tree that was planted last year. And even if a tree was planted last year, it could have been planted for a reason. This is continuous cultural practice that goes on thousands, tens of thousands of years in this country. We've been seeing the destruction 
of Indigenous sites come up more and more in headlines of late. I mean, we look at Jack and Gorge in WA, more sites under threat due to mining. Can we reach this balance between progress but not having to sacrifice our culture at the same time? How do we balance both of these things? Well, I think that the most important thing is that people need to begin to understand what is something that is significant to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture first, obviously, where it's relevant to our cultures, but also put it in the context of wider Australia. So if I remember correctly, recently a church in France had its roof burnt off. Well, look, it's a dusty old building, medieval building, probably should just knock it down, but it is Notre Dame. Now, I'm Australian Aboriginal, but Notre Dame matters to me. Why can't our heritage matter to people in France? And I think it probably matters more to people in France than to our government sometimes. So it's a matter of perspective. What are you going to lose if you put a road in another place? It may be more inconvenient. It may be people have got to go around something else. But it is not always the case that there should be these choices that are impossible choices for Aboriginal communities. Which bit do you want destroyed? Why can't it be, all right, let's look at planning things more appropriately and let's not knock down the dusty old cathedral. Let's not cut down our heritage trees. Do you think it's harder for people to comprehend that something of nature or natural is cultural and not the man-made stuff? Well, I think it's not actually because when you go to anywhere else in the world and I've written papers with people, for example, from my friend Mujahid from North Pakistan, from Sawat, about their Lorsitham, which are the cedar trees, the deodar of that area, which are up to a thousand years old. They're like our most ancient trees in Australia. It's absolutely accepted that these are ancestor trees, they're family trees, even a new tree, you know, back to the point about how old the tree is, every single tree of this type is valued. And I found the same thing in Japan. You know, you go to a place like Nikko in Japan and there are these big ancient, again, pine trees, cedar trees that have got these big ropes around them and paper offerings and people bow to them. I can still see my little child at two, three years old. I'm Aboriginal Australian, but I taught her that this is the practice. We clap our hands and bow to the tree and worship it and honour it. This is not something that only Aboriginal people do. We worldwide as humans generally value the natural environment. I just don't see why there's such a fuss in Australia from governments, particularly about us wanting to value these extraordinary trees. Does there need to be a national approach to protecting sacred sites of Indigenous Australians and Torres Strait Islanders? Is this a case of like a state by state, it's not coordinated, that governments are working independently? Do we need to lay down some rules here that covers everything across this entire country? We do have national legislation, but I think it's a very good point. We've got all these individual jurisdictions that have their own jurisdictional ways of dealing with local heritage matters. So the states and territories and even local councils. In Sydney, for example, we have still many petroglyph rock art sites that pop up. You know, someone might be extending their house or 
putting on a garage or something and then they're excavating and there is a slab with some rock carvings done by Aboriginal people of Sydney maybe thousands of years ago, quite likely. And sometimes developers even destroy these sites deliberately. They, oh, we didn't know it was there. Whoops, slipped with the digger, you know. And that's not okay. And that's a sort of local council thing. These people aren't really brought to account. So what we need to do is nationally begin to understand that Australia has sites that are of extraordinary natural beauty, some of them enhanced by people, but we don't have the same kind of heritage that the French do with their medieval buildings, the Egyptians with the pyramids, everywhere around the world. There are these built environments that really matter and are given priority. You know, even in Pakistan, the trees, they struggle to save those trees in North Pakistan. Other things are valued more, sites of Islamic significance, for example. So there needs to be a balance worldwide around what are important sites that come to us from Indigenous practice, deep Indigenous practice worldwide that we can all as all human beings value. So there does need to be in Australia some kind of education campaign led by governments to say we are going to protect our extraordinary heritage in this country, the oldest human heritage and is so intimately connected with country. This is something, again, that is quite special in this country, this human connection to country. An interim injunction stopping the work was granted by the Victorian Supreme Court. The next hearing will be held on November 19. And while many of the embassy at the site were arrested, Sissy says nothing will stop them fighting for country. No, I think the two years I have shown that we can weather any storm and the arrests they're being dealt with, we're very smart people and the difference between us and the Victorian government is that we're being fueled by powerful country, like Jabron country is so powerful and we have a strong connection to our country that is fueling us to get through everything that we're getting through. I don't think there's no way we would have gotten to where we are now if we weren't fueled by the power of that country. And so I think that we've got this next date. The injunction is only in for two or three weeks. So yeah, we've just got to keep moving and we will keep fighting and we're not giving up. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri and guest booking by Mel Zauer. If you want to be an ally and join the fight to save this sacred site, you can find the link to the petition to change the route to a cheaper, faster, easier option that avoids the area in question in our show notes. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.